This is Grain IQ. I'm Chad Moyer. Grain marketing is a critical piece in keeping your operation profitable. If you've listened to the first seven episodes, get ready to put all of that information together for today's episode, because we're going to dive into creating a marketing plan. If you haven't listened to episodes one through seven, we invite you to start there. Now, joining us for today's conversation is Ed Usset. For over 20 years, Ed has been a marketing economist for the Center for Farm Financial Management at the University of Minnesota. Prior to that, Ed worked in private industry. He traded in the pit of the Minneapolis Grain Exchange and was a wheat buyer for flour mills. We're going to talk about how do we practically put together a grain marketing plan. And uh, I'm just kind of thinking back to what we talked about and, and utilizing your expertise. I, I like having you on this podcast because you do have a lot of practical experience from business and industry, uh, but also have examined the different uh, options that are out there through your work at the University of Minnesota. Again, uh, you, you've had quite an experienced uh, lifetime so far, Ed. Yeah. You know, I, I took a phone call from uh, someone I knew in the grain business, and I'm going back 25 years ago. And everyone in the in the 90s was talking about, you need a marketing plan, you need a marketing plan. And of course, what the heck is a marketing plan? This guy calls me up and he says, you know, Ed, why don't you tell us about what a marketing plan is? And I'm, I'm like, I, I don't know what the heck a marketing plan looks like. In fact, everyone talked about you got to have one, but I never saw one. I never saw one that was neat and concise. So I took it upon myself to start writing marketing plans. And I quickly concluded that there is no one marketing plan in grains. There are two. You have to, again, divide this world between pre-harvest marketing and post-harvest marketing. They're radically different, but I'm ready to talk about both, Chad. Leading into that discussion, I think it's important, too, to understand, you know, what a marketing program is and what a marketing program isn't. From your perspective, definition of a marketing plan, what is it supposed to do? Well, a marketing plan, and this is my own definition, it's a proactive strategy to price your grain that takes into consideration all aspects of your farm, you know, how much storage you have, uh, your appetite for risk, uh, everything, your cash flow needs, etc. The operative word is it's a proactive strategy. Proactive marketing is always looking ahead. It's not looking back to decisions you made last year. Forget about it. It's not an overactive plan that is uh, in and out of the market with options every other week trying to trade your way to glory. It's proactive. I'm trying to look ahead and get that grain market priced just once. And by the way, I'm not trying to sell the high of the market. Yes, I am trying to sell the high, but I have to slap myself and disabuse myself of the idea that I'm going to get the high. Maybe if I live long enough, I'll stumble on it once or twice. But the fact is, you're not trying to sell the highest price. You're trying to sell a good to very good average price. And I yeah. think it's important, too, that, you know, like you said, uh, it, it does change from year to year, right? You know, maybe we get in the habit of using the same hybrid or this, the same fertilizer package or, or things like that. Things change from calendar year 2010 to 2011, from 18 to 19, and from 21 to 22. Different things 
will impact your marketing plan differently, right? Yes, they will. However, here I want to divide pre and post harvest marketing again, because I say with pride, my approach to pre harvest, my pre harvest marketing plan that I write for 2022 looks very much like the first one I wrote 20 years ago. Now the price objectives are different. The cost of production has risen. And in mm -hmm. fact, that's where I start pre-harvest marketing. I sit down and say, okay, what's my cost of production? And that becomes my starting point from which I build. And that has changed, but otherwise many elements of my plan have not changed at all. I focus on the price which is at least the break-even or above. I have decision dates in my pre-harvest marketing plan that focus on making sure I get something done in the spring, uh, April, May, June. If the price is above that minimum, I'm not gonna, I, I was not active two years ago when uh, November soybeans were $8.70. I don't want price new crop below my cost of production. So that's been the same. Now, post-harvest marketing, very different. You know, I, I tell people that pre-harvest marketing is strategic. You can write a pre-harvest marketing plan a year in advance, and I've done that. Post-harvest marketing is tactical. I write a post-harvest marketing plan at harvest time, and I do it not looking at what the expert thinks prices are going to do. I look at basis levels. Is the basis good or bad? I look at carrying charges, the price differences from the nearby December corn contract to the deferred July, the nearby November soybean contract to the deferred May or July. Those things help me determine if I'm going to sell at harvest if I'm going to store the grain for sale later in the year, like my friend May Sellers we talked about earlier, or am I going to store grain and sell the carry? It's a very tactical decision, all seeking that good average price. So hopefully we haven't lost anybody yet. Uh, you know, and, and again, it may seem kind of uh, confusing or, or kind of daunting, but that's what we're going to try and do today is to lay this out. Let's talk about a practical way that we can go about creating this marketing plan and, and talk a little bit about how we follow through it. Let's start with the pre-harvest marketing plan. What are the elements of a pre-harvest marketing plan? Well, first of all, I start with an objective. My objective will read something like, uh, start early and uh, look to get my insured bushels priced by the end of June. My insured bushels. I don't want to price uninsured bushels. That's a very aggressive pre-harvest marketing plan for a lot of people buying insurance at the 75-80% level. But as I like to tell people, Chad, I lay out my marketing plan. And by the way, they're all you can find them all on my website at the University of Minnesota going back 20 years. I don't present my approach as the perfect approach. That doesn't exist. But your listeners might look at the way I do it and adapt it to their own needs. So I start with that objective. I'm trying to get uh, insured bushels priced. And then there are three elements to it. One is price objectives. 
You start with that break-even cost of production analysis, and you scale up from there with price objectives. You add to that decision dates. So I might have a price objective of $6 a bushel on December corn. And, you know, we haven't been there, Chad, and we may not get there. But with that price objective, I'll also have a decision date. And maybe it says sell $6 December corn or by mid-May. He said, well, how does that work? Well, if I get to mid-May and I have not reached that lofty price objective, but the opportunity is above my cost of production, I do it anyway. It keeps me moving forward. The decision dates make it a real plan for action. The last part of the marketing plan is the pricing tools. Do I do this with a forward contract? Do I do it with a hedge to arrive? Do I do it with futures? And that to me is a tactical decision that you make once you decide, yes, now's a good time to get something priced. I'm going to price 10% of my grain. Now you look at basis and, and uh, uh, the forward kind. You look at the different pricing tools. You even think about put options. You know, which one makes sense for me now? So I, I think I understand why the, the price objective is important because that correlates to our cost of production, right? Mm-hmm. We don't want to sell below our cost of production. That right. doesn't make financial sense. I, I, I understand that. But maybe you can expand on this, this one with having decision dates. If, if we give ourselves deadlines, what does that add to the marketing plan that wasn't there before? Well, first of all, those decision dates are all focused in the spring. And I've talked about this a few times. Um, March, April, May, June tends to be, it's nothing's 100%, but tends to be a good time to get something done. I've got pretty charts that show uh, in corn and soybeans, this tends to be a good time to get something done. And that's all that decision date does is it reminds me, you know, this is, This is the time of year when good opportunities show up. And and this, again, is that challenge of if I don't have a decision date and all I have is price objectives, I run that risk of having these real lofty price objectives that I no longer have a plan for action. I have an excuse not to do anything. You could have a new crop corn priced for $4.90 today. Well, I'm waiting for five and a half dollars. Well, four ninety might be one heck of a price uh, six eight months from now, and yet you're passing on it because you're just price focused. So the decision dates make it a real plan for action, keep you moving forward if it's a good opportunity. Could you have multiple decision dates in your marketing plan so that you're doing incremental sales on uh, through this uh, pre-harvest time frame? Absolutely. In fact, I do. You know, we haven't talked about how many steps are in a plan. I've never really analyzed what the right amount is. I know this. You don't do it all with one sale. Okay. Uh, I don't know what the right number is. I've had as few as four steps in some plans, as many as seven. Uh, I've often thought if you, you could break it up into 20 little itty bitty steps, but that, that might that sounds like a lot of work to me, Chad. So I don't know what the answer is. Somewhere between five and eight steps 
And yes, all those steps should have a different decision date. Now, uh, on your third one, the, the tools that you would use uh, at the end of the plan to actually price the grain, can you explain what are some of the options that we could use and in what situations they would work well? Well, you really have three tools in pre-harvest marketing. Uh, excuse me, four. A, forward, a simple forward contract. And again, you know, what are you thinking about there? Well, first of all, you better know your basis because you're going to lock in the basis and you better be happy with the basis being offered by your local elevator or ethanol plant. Uh, you can use futures contracts directly. Uh, that, of course, involves a, a margin account and a broker and some people get uh, wrapped up. That they, they can be heady stuff when the market's going up like this. Um, and the other thing, you can be buying put options, use options in there. It's all a tactical decision you must make. I tell people that in my own approach to pre-harvest marketing, my early, you know, we talk about having different steps, maybe six or seven price objectives and decision dates. Early in the plan, I tend to keep it simple. I tend to look at forward contracts or selling futures or hedge to arrive. Just get it priced. And don't worry about the fact that the market might keep going higher. That just means you get to sell more at a higher price. You get deeper into the plan and maybe the market can, is really going higher. Now I'll get creative or think about it. Maybe I'll pull options in. Options have that wonderful you know, they cost a lot, but they give you the upside. I might even decide to follow a trend. I mean, if the market's going up, 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 I've met my price objective. The time is right. But you know what? The trend is higher. It's just, it's higher. So why, why not follow the trend? And there's 50 ways to follow a trend. We're not going to get into that today. But when the trend turns lower, I'm committed to making the sale. Is that a guarantee it'll work for you? No, we offer no guarantees here, but at least it's a way to bring a technical trading tool into your marketing plan. Now let's switch gears to this other half that you mentioned. And for the producer who just can't do anything until they have the commodity in the bin so they know what they produced, you can still have a post-harvest marketing plan. But uh, and, they, and that's the key is to have a plan, right, Ed? Well, as I said, post-harvest marketing plans, you yeah, the pre-harvest marketing plan can be written in a year before harvest. A post-harvest marketing plan, you write it at harvest because you're sizing up the market. You're looking at the, the environment you're in. Are basis levels good or bad? Are carrying charges, that price difference from December to May and July corn, from November to May and July soybeans, is this a large carry? Is this an inverted market? You know, we, we think about these things. We also think about other things. You know, is this a market that is sky high? or rock bottom. And some of these things are uh, subjective, but you make it from that information, you start to make decisions that, should I just sell at harvest? Should I put it in, in the bin and wait for a higher price later in the year? 
or should I put it in the bin and sell the carry, which is often a good opportunity in the corn market, but it has not been for the last two years. So it's a very tactical approach. And again, though, you know what the objective is? I'm trying to get myself a good average price. I have no illusions about getting the high. I'd love to stumble on it once or twice, but uh, I'm not going to get the high. I'm looking for a good average price. So what are some ways that we assess what the market is trying to digest? So how do what what can we look at? How do we understand what's going on in the grain markets? Well, you have to know, for example, basis. Uh, wherever you are, uh, your basis is a little bit different. Basis is more predictable than flat prices. But your listeners in Nebraska, they know they're looking at a good corn basis right now. They've got a history, a sense of it. And next year it might be different. They ha- You have to have that sense. Carrying charges, they, they quote them every day. Uh, they tend to get larger as we get closer to harvest in the case of corn. And you just have to make some judgments about that stuff and uh, make your decision from there. Is it more about what's happening, you know, around a, a feedlot or an ethanol plant, or is it more about uh, what's happening weather-wise in the eastern Corn Belt, or is it more about what's going on in South America and uh, Brazil and Argentina? Well, the first things you mentioned, the feedlots, the ethanol plants, that's more of a local issue, and that's going to reflect itself in your basis. The other issues, the weather patterns, El Nino, La Nina, Uh, crop problems in South America. That's the bigger picture. That's the futures market. That's not really going to have an impact on your local basis, but it's going to have a heck of a big impact on whether or not soybeans are $12 a bushel or $15 a bushel as they are today. So you're taking in all of that, but at the same time you're taking it in, I'm cautioning people You might note at this point, some people might be saying, you know, this guy is, uh, for example, he just wrote a pre-harvest marketing plan and he never talked about supply and demand. Mm -hmm. uh, This guy's crazy. He never he didn't tell me about what that analyst with DTN just said wrote last week or or, uh, Utterback or or these big names who offer their opinions. He, He didn't talk about any of that. No, I don't. No, I don't. I'm not suggesting you should be ignorant about things around you. Understand the factors going on. You can't help it. You got to have an opinion, maybe a favorite analyst you like to follow. But I tell people with all that outlook, don't forget a little inlook. And that is what works for my farm. And that becomes part of your marketing plan. That's that appetite for risk. That's that looking for a good average price and let someone else chase the high. So what about uh, for post-harvest marketing? What are the tools that would be in play? (laughs) I would imagine you'd be looking for some basis opportunities as well in that move, huh? Absolutely. And again, I always tell people that pricing tools are just a way to execute the plan. They're just tools. You know, Chad, if you wanted to to build a new shed in back of your, uh, you know, your farm, 
And I showed up the next day with a hammer saw and uh, a level. Are we ready to build a shed? No, we're not. We got to know how big is this shed? How tall is it? Where do the windows go? Where the doors go, et cetera. Got to have a plan first. The tools are necessary, but they're just to execute the plan. And it's very much a tactical decision. So what tools do I use? All of the above. A forward contract, if it makes sense, if I like the basis. Hedge to arrive or selling futures directly, if I can handle the margin aspect of that. And options on occasion, not all the time, but on occasion where it'll let you sleep at night. Whether it's a pre-harvest plan or a post-harvest plan, how flexible should these plans be in your mind? Well, I think that options are almost by definition a flexible thing where you've, you can buy a put to set a minimum price, but you have upside potential. We talked a bit about technical tools. And I like to emphasize to people, even as I write down price objectives and decision dates, you've always got, I, I call it kind of a trump card. You know, the market is taken off for the moon. And you're like, you know, yeah, I know I wrote down that I was willing to sell $5 corn, but look what's going on. Look, didn't you read that news? You can put the price objective aside, put the decision date aside and grab a technical tool that's trending with the market and follow the market. You can do that at any time. And that's the flexibility in that plan. So the trump card doesn't become the decision. You have all of this background information to the base that you've built on to recognize what the trump card is then, right? Yeah. Yes. And uh, I like to tell people that when I write a plan, it's not the perfect plan, but you know what? It's like writing. It's a benchmark for what I'm trying. I've just laid out what I'm trying to get done in the year ahead. A pre-harvest mind, you know, this is what I'm trying to do. Now, as things change, and we live in a heck of a world, Chad, things will change. Uh, I've got a plan. And if we hear news later this afternoon, and I don't want anything bad to happen, let's hope it's good news. But if something changes the world of the grain markets, I can pull my marketing plan out and ask myself, well, how does that change what I do here? I mean, does it change the dates? Do I reset the prices? I've got something to go back to and adjust my thinking. If I don't have a plan, Chad, I'm winging it. And if I'm winging it, how do you adapt that? <laughs> I don't know how you adapt that. And it's good to have you on the program again. Thanks for joining us today. Appreciate it very much. Hey, thank you for having me, Chad. I enjoyed it. One more note before we go, Ed mentioned earlier that you can view his pre- and post-harvest grain marketing plans for corn, soybeans, and wheat dating all the way back to 2014. The URL is kind of a lengthy one, so instead, we'll post a link in the description of this episode. Again, joining us today, Ed Usset, a marketing economist from the Center for Farm Financial Management at the University of Minnesota. Thanks for listening to this episode of Grain IQ. I'm Chad Moyer. Grain IQ is a production of the Nebraska Rural Radio Association with support from the Nebraska Soybean Board. It is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. Grain IQ is hosted by Chad Moyer and produced by Rebel Saklocha. It is written and edited by Alex Wojcicki. Our project manager is Bryce Duskett. 
You can listen to Grain IQ on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or online at ruralradionetwork.com.